you'll bear with me this morning. This morning's message is a little bit different uh, than probably one that I've delivered thus far. But I try to seek the Lord and I try to say, okay, God, what do we need to hear? What do your people need to hear? What do I need to hear? What do I need to be reminded of? And so that's that will set the tenor and the tone for today's message. I want to ask you a series of questions, and I start with a series of questions. Do you believe that God still speaks today? Many of you affirm by saying yes. Are you listening? Or are you listening for God to speak? And so this morning's message is, called HEAR. You'll see why it is an acronym, something that I believe in and I will step through and we will more or less teach this morning. We'll have some participatory element to this sermon as well. But HEAR. Are we praying? Are we asking the Lord to speak? And that begins with time in His Word. And I won't ask for a show of hands this morning, but if I had to ask you about your quiet time, about your time alone with the Lord, your time in God's Word, I wonder if I did ask for a show of hands, how many of you would say that yours could use improvement? And I will go first and say that mine could use improvement as well. Are we listening for the Lord. This morning I came in and I sat on the pew, the front pew that I sit on before I preach. No one else was here. I was praying and I said, Lord, quiet my heart and my soul. And then began to talk. (laughs) And I began to pray. And in those moments, I kind of defeated what I asked the Lord to do. Right? To quiet my heart and quiet my mind to hear from Him. Silence is a powerful thing. As I sat here this morning, again in that that time I prayed and then I stopped and I said, okay, I need to be still. Only to hear the occasional tick, tock, tick, tock from the clock in the back. But what was amazing to me is that there were times when I couldn't necessarily hear it. But there were times that I could. And so we need to learn to get alone before the Lord and to ask Him to speak. And so as we start this morning, I am going to be basically teaching a lesson out of growing up, making disciples that make disciples by Robbie Gallaty. If there is one book that I have read since rededicating my life in 2010, I read this book a few years ago. A friend gave it to me, and I began to read it, and it just radically changed my views on discipleship, on studying God's Word, of of finding community with other believers. And so outside of the Word of God, it is really just broken me and, and shown me ways to, to dig deeper and to experience the Lord, to listen for the Lord and to ultimately hear Him. And so Robbie was a um, champion 
bodybuilder and he worked out and he talked about how that when he worked out that someone who's working out to build muscle and to to be lean that they not only they don't just eat three meals a day they eat six meals a day right because that begins to speed up their metabolism and he talked about how that he was on a diet of uh, a protein diet of eggs tuna eggs chicken eggs turkey and eggs right that's what he was eating a part of his diet But then he made this important statement, y'all. And he said he dare not put a candy bar to his lips. Right? While he was in that mode of being a champion bodybuilder. Why? He said this. What I put into my body was going to reveal itself on the outside. So I want you to think about that this morning with me. What you put into your body, what you put into your heart, what you put into your mind will reveal itself on the outside. In Robbie's case, it was with food as he was a bodybuilder, but as children of God, what are we feasting upon? He, he went on to say that there are many church members that are malnourished, Believers who rarely, if ever, read God's Word other than Sunday at church. Right? You think about that. How many people come to church and, and minus sitting under preaching and teaching like you will this morning, how many of them outside of these four walls are four walls commonly known as their church, whatever the label, whatever the denomination? And when they leave, how often do they open the Word of God? They're malnourished. Galilee said that a heart that knows God is a heart that has been transformed by the renewing of the mind through the study and the application of God's Word. And as you've heard me talk many a times, right, we've got to be a disciple. We were called to that as we study the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. In order to be a disciple, or in order to make a disciple, you have to be a disciple. Can we break it down just simpler this morning? You have to be a student. In order to make students of God's Word, you yourself, not just your interim pastor and your friend, me, not only, it doesn't just apply to me, but it applies to each and every one of you. Right? That's what you're called to do. You're you're not necessarily called to stand up here and preach and teach. I get that. But you are called to have an impact for Christ within your circle of influence. Right? Because you are going to meet people. You are going to be in the presence of people that I will never be in, that Betsy will never be in, that Cindy will never be in. You're going to come in contact with people that I'm not going to. Live out your life glorifying your Father in heaven. So when we talk about discipleship, I love the fact that something as simple as discipleship and and God's Word, I never get tired of studying about it, right? Because you see different things. It helps you understand it a little bit better. And Galilee says that the core discipleship is this, that we study the Bible, that we know God, and that we obey God. That is an example of discipleship. If you don't mind, I'd like to read, as he, he mentioned in this particular book, and he mentioned scripture, but I want to read this portion. It says, The book of Exodus records the life of Moses, whom God chose to lead the Israelites out of the bondage of Pharaoh. 
to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and into a flourishing land that he had promised them. Though a series of demonstrations of God's sovereign power, the Israelites left Egypt and fled to the desert. Without food or water, they were forced to rely solely on God for their daily substances. Even as I read this book growing up and I read that sentence, we don't have to rely on too much these days, do we? We go to the refrigerator and we pull out something to eat. We go to the cupboard and we pull down something to eat, right? But these people were desperate and all they had was to rely on the Lord. After the people complained, wow, some problems never change. After the people complained to Moses about the absence of food, God revealed how he would provide the food they desperately needed to survive. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. Exodus 16, 4 through 5. The very next day, God did exactly what he had promised. He supplied food for the people in the form of manna, bread. When they first saw the flaky substance on the ground, the people asked if this was the bread that God had promised. And Moses answered, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of of it, each of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer, or two liters, according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so, and they gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, Whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Exodus sixteen fifteen through 20 And so the question that Galilee asked, and I ask you this morning, is this. Do you view the word of God as spiritual nourishment for your soul? A couple pull-outs, if you will, that Galilee makes note of. I take no credit of this. I've been trained by great men like Galilee and others that I read and I seek the Lord myself, but I give full credit to Galilee this morning. But as you see, it's not just Galilee's thoughts, but he's lacing it. He's interweaving it with the word of God. We read that. We read from Exodus. But Galilee mentions this. There are two vital principles for us to apply to our lives. So when we read what we just read, you're like, Chris, why are you reading this? What is this? Why does this even matter? How do we apply this in 2018? And here's how it is. First, the people were required to gather their own bread each day. Daily bread. Each day. Right? They were required to gather their own. I can't gather and I can't seek the Lord for Caleb or for Chandler or for Kendall or for Katie. I have to seek the Lord for who? Chris. Chris has to seek the Lord. No one can do it for you. 
Amen? It is you. You have to seek the Lord. So first and foremost, you, they were required to gather their bread each day. And secondly, the bread that they gathered was only good for that particular day. You see, as Jesus was preaching and teaching in his ministry, every Jew knew the story of manna. In his hour of temptation, Jesus connected manna, or bread, with the word of God. And so listen to these nuggets of wisdom that I want you to see. As spiritual beings, we need more than physical nourishment, our bread, to survive. Our spiritual nourishment, our spiritual bread, is the word of God. God's word is what... The manna was to the ancient Jews. It is life-sustaining nourishment. Just as the Jews had to make time and effort to gather manna, we must set aside time every day to be spiritually nourished from the Bible. And listen, just as the Jews had to gather manna daily, we must read the Bible every day. Listen, friends, what we read today is not sufficient for tomorrow. What we read today is not sufficient for tomorrow. We don't have time for this, but he asked the question, describe your pattern for reading the Bible over the past few weeks and months. In the margin at the time when I read this, I said started, good, but, dot, dot, dot. How many of us start, we're doing oh so well, and then the things of the world, distractions, sidetrack us. And we make every excuse not to seek the Lord. Friends, if you hear nothing else this morning, you are not alone in your struggle with getting along with God. Right? So why, why do you believe people are not reading the Bible? Here are some examples that Galilee gives. So why are people not reading the Bible? I don't have enough time. It doesn't have any bearing on my life. I don't know what it means. The Bible is confusing to me. It's old. I've read it before, but it didn't, I didn't get anything out of it. And the most revealing excuse that he heard was this. The Bible doesn't speak to me. He talked about really quickly, even with himself, you friends, you don't want your time in the Word to become routine. You don't want it to become mundane. You don't want it to just become checking off a box. He drives home the point that you must select a time of day that works best for you and set it apart for the Lord. Because listen, you have to have, you can have a goal of reading scripture, but listen to what else um, has been said in the past. It says a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal 
without a plan is just a wish. So how often do you come and you say, oh, I want to read the Bible more? Well, praise God. How are you going to do that? Right? What are actionable steps that you can take? I like this I like this nugget of wisdom that he shared. He said reading random scriptures will not provide solid biblical growth any more than eating random foods out of your pantry will provide solid physical growth. Amen. We can't just open God's word and say, "Oh Lord, what do you want me to see today?" Oh, okay. I'll read this. Yep, I'm going to get that. Can God bless you through the reading of that? I think he could, but I want to teach you a different method. And that is here. So H-E-A-R. If you're taking notes this morning on the back of your bulletin, there's a spot to take notes. We're going to step through that. Also talked about translations. Can I tell you one thing about translations? Because that's a big... We can get off on the debate about that, right? But the best translation is a red translation. R-E-A-D. The best translation is one that you will actually read. Each Sunday when I stand before you, I preach and teach out of the English Standard Version. Why? Because it's solid. It's easier to understand. Sometimes in these and thous. But it's a solid translation from the original Greek and Hebrew. And sometimes I refer to other translations. But the best translation is a red translation. And so this morning, I want to step you through this process. Um of studying God's Word. And it's called the HEAR method. H-E-A-R. We're going to break that down. But I want to tell you something about HEAR. See, what happened for me is I struggled to how to find a way to get into God's Word. Right? You might do that as well. You might be a senior saint and like, okay, I've done a lot of different studies and I've studied some different books, but I want to experience God in a new way. And let me tell you a simple way you can do that. Based off this here method, I was in a discipleship group, a small group of men, three or four of us, that were intentionally getting together for a year to walk alongside of each other and to journal and to go through and to do what they call here journals. I'll explain to you what here means. But basically what we would do is we would take a book of the Bible, like 2 Timothy, and for this particular week, we were together, we were together here and we are say, okay, we're getting together next Sunday, let's say. So for that week, we would read 2 Timothy chapter 1, that week. Now, friends, you have to set your own goal. If you come into it and say, well, Pastor Chris, I'm going to do seven Bible journal entries. Well, okay, praise God. But maybe if you're just beginning to grow in the word of the Lord, maybe set it at three. That you want to read through that chapter three times. And what you would do is you would journal. And I'll, I'll explain to you what happens. So basically what you're doing is you're reading through that particular chapter. Each time that you sit down. And friends, what is so impressive to me is if you actually get into God's word, you'll learn things and see things and you're like, wow, it says that? I didn't know the word of the Lord said that. Wow, that was encouraging. That was convicting. Ooh, she needs to hear that. Oh, I needed to hear that. You know, I mean, there's so many things going on. But what happens, y'all, is as you're reading, there's going to be one verse of scripture that the Lord just kind of grabs your attention of. And that's the verse that you would do a hear Entry on. H-E-A-R. So what is H? H is that you highlight. Right? So basically as you're reading that chapter of God's word. Right? And you're reading it that whole week. You're not just jumping around everywhere. You're just reading that one chapter all week long. 
and you're setting a goal, whether it's three, whether it's four. Sometimes I would do between maybe four or five, sometimes three or four. But you give yourself a break, right? If you're in church on Sunday, well, you're hearing the, you're hearing the word taught. So maybe you take a break that day. Maybe you take the weekends off. You do it during the week. I don't know. You can mix it up. Do however, whatever works best for you. So as you read that and one verse jumped out, you're going to highlight that. And by highlighting, what I mean by that is basically that's what the Lord has said. I, I want you to really kind of see this. Like this is what you keyed in on today. So what I do is I write it out. And what's great about that, in, in a journal you just grab a notebook, but what's great about that is you're interacting with the Word of God, right? You're reading it, you're writing it, you're saying it. People learn in different ways. Some people have to see it, some people have to hear it, and some people have to do it. But if you have a combination of all three of those, it sticks. So you're going to highlight a verse. And basically all you're going to do is whatever chapter you're in, let's just say Second Timothy. So Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, and you write out that verse. That is your H. You are highlighting. Then you have the E, which stands for explain. Explain. So here are some questions, and if you want some more information, I have this chapter I can send you as a PDF. But what does it mean that you're going to explain that? Well, why was it written? To whom was it originally written? How does, it, how does this verse fit in with the verses before and after it? Why did the Holy Spirit include this passage in this particular book? And what is he intending to communicate to you through this text? Now, here's the most important thing about the explanation. What's important is that you are engaging with the text and wrestling with its meaning. You see what I'm saying, friends? I've stood up here before you most many Sundays, and I've said there are people who would come to you and say, Oh, read my chapter in the Bible today. Check. Right? But what did you really learn? What did you really focus on? What was the Lord giving you that you could sustain you for that day? Or to challenge you or to encourage you to grow or to take a next step. So you highlight, you, so there's a verse that's going to jump out. You write it down, you begin to explain it. And the A is apply. Apply. An application is the heart of this process. Right? Why? Because how are you going to apply it? What good is it going to do you if you don't know how to apply it? So here's some questions that you might could ask. Go back to the explanation for a second. The five W's and the H. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Right? Maybe that's how you explain the text. But see, here's something I want you to see. It's going deeper. Because you can't just look at a passage of Scripture and look at it from your worldview in 2018 in Sumter, South Carolina. Who was Paul? Who was the psalmist? Who was... Um, who was Abraham? The or who? Who was? Who were they writing to? What was the audience? What was going on during that day? That was why a good study Bible is important because it helps you to dig deeper and to really understand what's happening. So the application: How can this verse help me? What does this verse mean today? What would the application of this verse look like in my life? What does this mean to me? And what is God saying to me? And friends, here's, here's kind of a goal when you look at the, when you're explaining and you're applying, so the, the E and the A, explanation and the application, challenge yourself to write 
between two to five sentences on those, but mainly on the application. So you hot, you're reading through the Word of God, you're reading through this particular chapter, one verse jumps out, there's your highlight, there's your H. Then you're going to explain it, that's your E. Then you're going to, how does this apply, that's your A. And your last is R, which is a response, which is a response. And so basically, in essence, you're writing a call to action. You're writing a call to action. Describe how you will be different because of what God has said. What are you going to do because of what you've learned? And y'all, the other thing is, most of the time, for me, it's a prayer. Right? That's how I'm responding to that particular passage. So I want to encourage you this morning. I'm going to take you through one that I've done, and we're going to go through one together in real time. I haven't done this other verse, but let's start here. So take your copy of God's Word and turn over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, almost near the very end of the um, New Testament. Actually, if you'll find Revelation and start turning backwards, you'll find Jude, 3 John, 2 John, and then 1 John. So turn towards the back of your Bible, find Revelation, and just start flipping to the right. You'll find 1 John. And so let's look at 1 John Chapter 5, verse 3. 1 John, chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Okay? That's our verse of Scripture that we're looking at this morning. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Now, you can't see my notes right now, but you're welcome to come look at them after church. So, in February, February the 20th, 2017, I studied this particular verse. I was reading through 1 John, chapter 5. So, I wrote out the verse. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And I began to go back. Now, here's the thing. When you write out the verse, what I personally do is I go back and start interacting with the Word. I interact with the Word. What do I mean by that? I'm looking at things and words that the Holy Spirit is kind of calling my attention to. A lot of times it is verbs or it is important, important words. So up here in my notes, it says, For this is the love, I circled love, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. I underlined commandments. And His commandments are what? Are not burdensome. Also looked in a couple other translations that particular day. And one said, are not difficult to obey. I might have looked up the word burdensome. But are not difficult to obey. So that's my H. E. How do I explain that? So this is what I wrote. There are ten and there are two. Now what did I mean by that? That's going back to what? His commandments. It says, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So there are ten and there are two. We're called to love God and to love others. That's the most important commandment. As Jesus was challenged, they said, well, you know, He said all of this could be boiled down to this. If you'll love God and love others. Then on that particular day, I looked at this particular verse in two other translations. The New Living Translation says it this way. Loving God means keeping His commandments. That's pretty... That's pretty simplistic, right? Loving God means keeping His commandments. The Amplified Version said, Habitly keep and remain focused, as it dug back to the original language. Then I wrote, as I was explaining it, what are the Ten Commandments? 
right? This isn't rocket science. I'm not asking you to stand and teach a class, but things that the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind as you're studying that scripture, that's what you're to do. So I wrote, what are the Ten Commandments? I wrote, do not covet, kill slash murder, lie slash bear false witness, honor father and mother, and have no other God before me. Well, that's only five, right? So what are the other five? So I had to go to Exodus 21 through 17 and read. So then I found out what the other five were. The Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't have any idols, right? Because here's the thing. I don't know about you. That I'm being transparent. As I was reading that, I couldn't you know, fire off all ten of them like that. But I, I wrote down what I remembered. And then I did what? I went and I looked up the rest. So we've, H, we've written it, we've explained it, now here becomes the A, the application. And this is what I wrote. In order to apply them, being the commandments, we must know them. Right? In order to apply them, in order to live them out, we must know them. How well do you really know them? In my exercise above, I had half of them. And then I wrote down burdensome. I want to hunker down on that word. It shouldn't be... Now, here's a moment of transparency. You know why? Because I was not writing this for a message. It was during my quiet, personal prayer time in God's Word. Not for a message. So I was personally writing this as I was journaling my thoughts. I want to hunker down on that word, burdensome. It shouldn't be burdensome, but somehow I make it that way. For myself, for others... I try not to. Hopefully I've grown some since February of 2017. And then R. I responded. This is how I responded. Lord, I want to follow you. I want to be obedient. I want to encourage and help others. I want to make a difference. I pray I never make it burdensome for others to follow you. Help me apply the truths of your word to my life. And to help my family to love and honor you. In all that they do. Really quickly, a friend of mine, when we were going through that, he shared a verse of scripture, Romans 15, 13. And I wrote in my notes, Marion shared Romans 15, 13 yesterday. I just took time to read it. Wow. So on the back of your bulletin, you'll find Romans 15, 13. In the back of the bulletin in the notes section, you'll find that. So what does it say? Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you will, at your seat, take just a moment... To interact with God's word. Right? Maybe circle some words. Maybe write down a few thoughts. And in real time, I'm going to quickly do that up here as well and share some thoughts with you. So take take your notes, Romans 15, 13. Read it. Think it through. Underline it. Draw some lines to different things and then we'll go over it really quickly. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to go through the, the verse. I didn't have time to write out the... E and the A and the R. 
And seriously, if you guys want some more information on this, I have this particular chapter that I can give you. And it has some examples of about five different passages of Scripture that you could read um, and go through that. I would love to, um, if there's some of you that would like to get that information, I'd be glad to get it to you. And I'd love for you to maybe go through those particular passages of Scripture and then let us meet together as a group. If there's three or four of us, praise God, we'll get together and just discuss what we saw. That's how I first got started with this years ago. But really quickly, I just in not having, I did not dissect this verse in the past. But as I read my notes, it was encouraging. And so I hope it's encouraging to you. So really quickly, let's look at this passage of scripture. Paul says, I pray. Right? So Paul was praying for others. What are you praying for others? Right? And then we see Paul's prayer of what he's praying. But are you praying for other people? Paul says, I pray. I pray. What? That God, and then he describes who God is. I pray that God, the source of hope. Praise God. Right? So friends, as you're reading through this verse, this one verse is chock full of so much. Because not only is he God, but he is the God who is the source of hope. So when you're praying to him on behalf of others, interceding for others, then you should be hopeful, and you should be hopeful for the needs of others as well. So I pray that God, the source of hope, will what? Will fill you. Now, Paul doesn't just stop there. Paul says, will fill you what? Completely. Completely. So I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely. With what? With joy and peace. What are you praying for others? Right? Are you praying that they may be filled with joy and peace? That they may get along with the Lord? That they may spend time with Him? But listen, He will fill you completely with joy and peace because you, what? Trust. But it doesn't say you trust Bible fellowship. It doesn't say that you trust that Pastor Chris is Pointing you in the right direction. It doesn't say trust in your grandmama and granddaddy's long tenure at this church. And they were saints and they helped set the cornerstone and helped move the rafters. And they gave and they prayed. No, it says because you trust in him. That you trust in him. Then. What a beautiful word. Then. You will overflow. With what? With confident hope. Not just hope, but confident hope. But y'all, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that you'll have something, but the power and the presence of God through His Holy Spirit would give you confident hope. So here... Hear, hear me, hear the Lord. That's why we're coming here today. You didn't come here to hear a word from Chris. You didn't come here to hear a word from Robbie Gallaty. You came to hear a word from the Lord. And I encourage you as you leave this place that you will seek him. If you need a copy of God's word, you see me. I have extra Bibles on hand just for that very fact in my office. I pick them up from time to time when they're on sale. Why? Because we take for granted. Some of us have Bibles that are collecting dust and other people are malnourished 
and they're not seeking God because they don't even have a clear copy of God's Word that they can understand or that's large enough and legible that they can read. They don't know where to get started. John, start in chapter John, start, start in 1 John, start in 2 Timothy as Paul's preaching to his apprentice. What great truths that he's giving Timothy that we need to be reminded of. Start there. Start there, but seek the Lord. So I encourage you, you heard nothing else. If you want to hear from God, you've got to get in his word. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about that. You can come and you can sit in a pew every Sunday for the rest of your life till God calls you home or until you're done on this earth. But have you accepted him? Right? Have you accepted the payment that he paid on Calvary for you? And then are you listening? Are you wanting to hear from him? And here's one method that I found here. H-E-A-R. Study his word and as you're studying it, you're writing it out, you're interacting with it, you're explaining it. What's going on? How does this apply to my life? What's something that's applicable out of this? And then a response. What are you going to do about what you read? Or pray it back. That's what the Lord loves. He loves for us to pray back his word to him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the people and the resources and the valleys that you've taken me through to help me to grow closer to you. Father, thank you for the here method of how it has helped me in my personal quiet time as I study and I seek you. Lord, I pray that these your people would be willing to take a next step to try something different that maybe they haven't done before. Maybe it's not here. Maybe it's something else. But Lord, may they just get into your word. May they seek you and look into your word. Don't look, as your word says, as a passing glance because you'll just see blemishes. But let's take a long look into the mirror of your word and see the things that are not Christ-like and the things in our lives that we need you to change. And we need you to chisel away. And you need us to turn over to you. Father, I pray for the one who doesn't know you this morning. I pray that you may prick their heart. They'll realize the sinner that they are in need of a Savior. But Lord, they won't leave here hopeless. Because you are our source of hope. And you want to fill us completely. And so, Father... Pray for them, they might take a next step. Or pray for the adult, the child, the senior saint who wants to know you more. May they just enter into that relationship with you through prayer, through studying your word, through being involved in small groups, through doing life together, serving others, giving, going. Father, help us to be still and help us to just spend time with you before we spend time with anyone else father for it's in your holy and precious name i pray amen